You're listening to Story Trails The Interviews, a micro-series that precedes the complete Story Trails series launch by Becky Stirrup. I'm Philippe, and uh, that's my brother over there, Bobbin, and um, we're pixies, and uh, we'll be on boats. See? Philippe, pass me the acorn polish. Philippe, pa- what, what, what are you doing? Giving an interview, Bob. It's Bobbin. Bobbin. Not Bob. Why are you giving an interview? You know, it's about the guy's application to open the way between realms oh. for humans to tour. Ah, such nonsense. It's not. It's really happening in any. No. I mean, allowing humans back into our world is nonsense. We have enough trouble since the fairies left. I mean, well, what do you think will happen if a bunch of humans are allowed to go gallivanting about? They might not. Gallivant, they're humans. Well, gallivant. Trust me. Now get back to work. But, but Bobby, Bobby what, what about the pixies left in the human world? What about them? Nice to see them again. <sighs> they chose not to cross over when I had the chance. It's their own but, fault. Bobby. What? I miss Mum. Oh, don't I look after you? <laughs> it's, just, it's just... Look, you remember what happened the last time Alice popped over for a visit... Yeah, yeah. But... You want that to happen again? No. Then the way should remain closed. Look, you, interviewer thing, look, you, you make sure you take this down and you pass it on to the council or whoever you're doing these interviews for. Humans are bad news. You got that? Now go on. We've got work to do. <laughs> Philippe? Yeah, yes, Bobbin? Pass me the acorn polish. <laughs> look, I'll make your favourite for tea. <laughs> The way Mum used to. Yeah, the way Mum used to. You've been listening to Story Trails The Interviews, a podcast for grown-ups and children to enjoy together. This micro-series has been developed specifically to provide families with something fun to do during these tricky times. Each episode introduces a character from the Enchanted Realm, gives you a creative mission that, should you choose to accept, may result in your wonderful creations being displayed on the Storytrails website, and includes a chapter from the latest draft of my book, The Knotbird. Keep listening for this week's creative mission and the chapter from The Knotbird. This week's creative mission is to design and or make a pixie boat. Take pictures of your creations and send them to info at storytrails.co.uk or tweet them to at storytrails.uk. Remember to keep checking the website to see your work displayed at www.storytrails.co.uk and keep listening for this week's chapter from The Knotbird. The Knotbird is intended for children from the ages of 8 to 10, but some younger and some older children may enjoy it. The story includes themes of family, separation, friendship and identity. Towards the end of the book, it also includes some violence and death. I hope you enjoy the following chapter. The Knotbird, Chapter 7 The nest was quiet. Flodder limped to its edge. His tail had healed, but it would always bear the scars of the falcon. For the last few days, Flodder had made a habit of watching his brother and sister chicks learning to fly. He looked for them now, but they were nowhere in sight. It was not just the nest. The whole colony seemed quiet. Flodder's small, pink tongue flicked across his lips. He sensed a bird landing behind him and turned, expecting true. 
but in her place did Merchan. Vlada had not seen him since the falcon. He knew that he had disappointed the great leader by straying so far from the wood. It took all of Vlada's strength not to rush to Merchan in search of comfort. Merchan sighed. He wanted to hold Flodder. He wanted to tell him that it would be all right. But that would be a lie. The colony was silent, but Flodder did not know what the silence meant. Marchand would have to explain. The great leader opened his beak, but no sound came out. He shook his head and tried again. Flodder, you should not have flown beyond the wood. Flodder hung his head. He had expected this reprimand, and it was almost a relief in place of the silence. Ever since he had regained consciousness, he had been waiting for Chiru to berate him. Instead, she had held him close and said nothing. It was as if she were mute. Her silence hurt him more than shouting would have. Do you understand what must happen now? said Marchand. I'm so sorry, Marchand, said Flodder. I won't do it again, I promise. It was just... The sun was so bright and warm and... The leader of the birds gathered Flodder under his wing and the small green creature could hear the great bird's heart beating. And it wavered. It's not so simple, young one, said Marcham. Flodder glanced about the empty nest. The silence screamed and Flodder looked up. The great leader was sad. It was as if Flodder had died. A chill ran up Flodder's spine. Where is my mother? Where are my brother and sister chicks? Where are all the birds? I can't hear anyone singing. Flodder was beginning to panic and Marchand stepped away. They cannot see you, he said. But why, Flodder? You disobeyed our law. There is only one punishment for that. Where is my mother? You must leave, Flodder. We cannot see you any more. You have left. And with those words, Marchand flew from the nest, leaving the young creature alone in an empty nest. For Flodder, understanding was slow, but when it came, it brought tears. He wept for what seemed like hours, and still the colony was silent. They would not return until he had left. At last, Flodder understood Cheru's silence. She had been grieving for him as she held him. But why hadn't she told him? He hadn't known. He couldn't have guessed the terrible price for his actions. If he had known, no, no. He would have still flown far and high. He was not a bird. Flodder did not know what he was. He limped to the edge of the nest and stepped from it. Flodder glided away, tears blurring his passage. The birds returned as the sun set. Chiru landed in her nest and hated it, even with her chicks about her. They did not understand why their green brother was gone. Neither did she. It had been difficult for Flodder. He had tried harder than anyone knew. When Murchan confirmed the penalty, it was as if she had awoken from a dream. The respite had been for Flodder to recover, and now he was banished. She had begged to be with him at the last, but Murchan had forbidden it. In private, he told her it would hurt too much. But it had hurt more to be absent. The law had never seemed so cruel. But then the law had never needed to be enforced. No bird would break it. Lodder was not a bird. She knew that he was not a bird. But he was her son. 
Tiro did not hear the soft rustle of another bird landing nearby or notice another's presence until her chicks peeled away from her. She turned to face Burrow. His presence surprised her, his compassion even more. I'm sorry, Chiru. She did not speak. You should not be alone. If you like, I will stay with you. Her silence unnerved him. And in the morning, I I can build you a new nest. One without so many painful memories. We could start again. Chiru was shaking her head. Barreau strained his ears to hear her whisper. No. No, Barreau shook his head. I don't understand, she looked at him. I don't want a new nest. I want to keep the memories. Okay, we'll keep the memories and there is no we. I don't want you, Barreau. But I thought that now Flodder is gone, everything would go back to the way it was. Now he thought about it. He knew it was impossible. We could try, at least, he said. Chiru laughed. If you had come to me even a day ago, I would have taken you. I would have been glad. But not today. Tomorrow, he said. Another day. Any day. You should never have left, Burrow. You should never have let me see how cruel you really are. I'm not, you are. Even now you come to comfort me, and somewhere inside you are pleased. You're glad that Flodder is gone. You're glad to have been proven right. Burrow hopped back. He didn't know what to do. There was so much to say, but he didn't know how to say it. Chiro's eyes softened, and her voice lost its bitter edge. I have changed too much for you, Burrow. And he saw that it was true. Burrow wished they could start again. He wished that he could be the bird she needed. Instead, he flew from the nest and left Chiru a second time. Maochan watched Burrow leave the nest. He had wondered if Chiru and he would reconcile, but the gate of Burrow's flight suggested otherwise. Maochan almost flew to Chiru himself, but thought better of it. He couldn't face her, not after what he had done. He had spoken the sacred rites, banishing her son. Any other words between them seemed too small. The birds needed the law, he knew that but he didn't have to like it. Once the birds had not been a colony, but separate families. They had all gone their own way, and one by one they had perished, until a wise bird from among them proclaimed that they must flock together to survive, and then they had thrived. The law had been passed down through generations until it had become instinct. Now Murchan knew through reason what Barreau had known through fear. Flodder threatened their way of life, not because he tried to disobey, but because he questioned their law. Marchan flew away from the colony to the top of the tallest tree and stared at the distant lights in the night sky, and for all his staring he could not banish the face of the young knotbird he had named from his mind. It was Flodder's eyes that haunted him, their innocence and sadness. What will become of him, thought Marchan. What will happen to Flodder? I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Story Trails, The Interviews, created and acted by Becky Stirrup. 
the wonderful music was provided by the very talented King Rich. And for a full list of sound effects and credits, please see the show notes. Thank you for coming on this journey with me. Remember, words are magic, and that's why putting letters in order is called spelling.